Welcome along to the Wise Men's Here podcast where we have another Sunderland win to talk about in what was the last game before Wembley because obviously next weekend <coughs> is uh, off due to international call-ups. So myself and Gareth are joined by Phil Smith from the Sunderland Echo to talk about that. Well, to talk about both things. Why not? Exciting times, isn't it? Yeah. Very exciting. Yeah. Makes a nice change to be at this stage of the season and not mm. be... Counting how many points you need to get into seventeenth mm. or whatever it's still, it is, ter- still terrifying. <laughs> Isn't it good? Just as a Sunderland fan in general, now that when we go a goal down, you still feel quite confident you're going to turn it around. And Walls all scored early. I don't know what you guys thought, but I never ever thought we would lose the game, and I was still quite confident we'd turn it around and win. Yeah, I think it's getting back to that old old feeling we used to have at the stadium in the early years, where you always felt they were going to win, kind of no matter what situation the game got itself into and I certainly felt that on Saturday there was a few a bit of periods in the first 20 minutes half an hour where I did think Walsall were had a chance to score on the counter mm-hmm. mine because Sunderland looked well off it but you know it was another game in where really on over the course of 90 minutes Sunderland did more than enough to win the game and you always felt that they were going to get the second goal um, you always felt they were going to win the game and for the for the most part the last six weeks or so really it's been like that they, they're comfortably the better team the vast majority of the time they play, and that's pretty encouraging. Mm. I did also think that the weather had a massive influence in their call, because uh, I, I was sitting at North Stand and the wind was coming right in our faces, and you could see the net oh, no, was it was yeah. always moving, it was always yeah. blown, and he put that free kick in, and the wind really caught all of it. Well, he, he kind of just got enough on it to put it in, didn't he? I mean, he, I don't know if he meant to do what he did, but you know, if he did, then fair play, because it was... You know, I'm not sure he did reverse back heel or something like that. Mm. Um, you know, I don't think he's quite Ronaldo levels. Um, I think <laughs> the wind, the wind took a past him, and he just tried to get something on it. I think. Yeah, um, it was behind him, wasn't it? He kind mm. of just kind of stuck his heel out, and it went in. Um, but yeah, I think it was, it, I was wor- a little bit worried that you know, pe- you know, there might be a little bit of negativity um, in the stadium, but fortunately, it, it, it didn't. Crab were um, good, good yeah, at the they weekend. Were, yeah, yeah, they were and backed them, and <clears throat> you know, I think the fact that after they scored, we did. I know they had, like Phil was saying, they had a few breaks, but you know, Morgan probably should have scored. There's certainly one of his chances that he had. Um, you know, the one in the box that he dragged wide, um, and then you know, they had, we had the goal disallowed, which I can't understand what no. that was disallowed for. If it was for the foul, um, I it's think a, I think it's a foul. He- it wasn't a fair, I don't think. Well, it didn't look yeah. like anything, really. Yeah. It just looked like two players going to the ball. I thought the... You can always tell by the players' reaction, can't yeah. you? I, could, I didn't see any of their players appealing for it. Yeah, I thought that, you know, the keep was pretty good. Um, the, the Walsall keep made a few good saves, including one from Grigg, which I thought Grigg did really well. The judge of flight, get it down. He did absolutely At everything. At that point, we just thought, oh, come on, give, know, give the lad a break, yeah. <laughs> it was ridiculous, really. I mean, he did absolutely, technically perfect to score and it was a great save I mean if McLaughlin had made that save we'd be going on about it um, but you know Keita you know I know people are saying it might be a known goal but I think you know the, the shot was on target he's kind of like parried it down the, off the post and into the net hasn't he kind of the keeper so I think it would be harsh to take it off Catamore given the, given that situation um, goal but, machine but they just keep going Catamore, they? yeah but that's it they just keep going put, keep that's that's the uh, I know people there's some people still a little bit touchy about chance creation and people have been saying Greg was isolated. I, I wouldn't go as far to say that Greg was isolated personally. I don't know what you think. I think um, 
I think there's a little bit of a, an issue with the the 11 at the moment and that I don't think Ross has a natural player to play between Greg and the two central midfielders. And I think we have seen that in the last two games because it's not really with Max Chris Powers. Ma- with Chris Maguire. With Maguire and Honeyman out. They're mm. both players who would naturally... Yeah. Maguire more so than Honeyman, but they're both naturally players who would link up. And I think that that... I think you can tell that and that they're missing that kind of link. But the chance creation thing, I mean, if you played that game 10 times, I think Sunderland would win it eight or nine times. And one time they'd be unlucky. I thought they were by far the better team. And it was also... You know, I'm probably someone who does look at games that way and want to see teams create someone creating more chances and believe that over time that's going to be important. But Saturday, especially after Barnsley's result on Friday night, with the weather, it just going into the break before Wembley, it was one of those where I'm really going thinking, I actually don't care about the performance at all. Mm. Just just win win the game and go yeah. into this break, going into Wembley with three <coughs> points. Especially no when we what. played them three times and have them... Yeah, but I know that shouldn't make a difference in it. No, actually, it in the, actually in the relegation zone now, off the back of that, but psychologically, oh, yeah. if you keep playing well, against a team and you can't put them away, there's two points between thirteenth yeah, yeah. and the bottom four yeah. in 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 that league. So I don't think uh, being in the bottom four is probably at this stage that relevant because if you win, you're probably in the top half of the table. Um, but yeah, I think uh, I was really surprised. It's it's interesting because. You look, you, you're very one-eyed. The coverage of um, League One's not, you know, it, it's not extensive, is it? You know, you see, you watch your highlights on an app or you see the, you know, thing on Quest and, you know, you, you see the scores coming in and you get the impression that, you know, because Barnsley and Luton are winning as well as well as we win and you think, oh, well, they'll wallop in teams. They must be dominating teams. But if you look at results over the last few weeks... You know, I think Barnsley have drawn four of the last six. Um, you know, Luton have drawn two um, recently. Of the last, I think they've drawn two of the last three and they've won games by one, mm. two goals. So it's kind of the same. So, And I watched the game on Friday night. And I, I don't know what it is. I, I just, you, it's a you, decent you, point for them in isolation. But though. you want to know. Go on a donk, point. You, you, but you look at it and, like, if we'd played like that, People would be absolutely furious. Like mm. they'd be going the bottle there. You know, they had the opportunity to do this. They were, you know, toothless. You know, they, they, I don't think that the keeper made a save in the game for Doncaster. Um, you know, so I do they, do. they do look a bit toothless, Barnsley. I even thought that when they played us. I know yeah. they had a lot of the ball. They hit the bar on one occasion, yeah. go disallowed goal, but they didn't. You didn't sit there thinking. You weren't. Yeah. I, I was there, and I, I wasn't worried that they were yeah. slicing us open or anything yeah. like that. I, I do think that because there's this desperation that we don't want another season in League One, we want to get back to the Championship. I do think that, I do think that lends itself to we can spend too much time dwelling on someone's weaknesses and when it comes to the likes of Luton and Barnes, you spend too much time talking them up and focusing mm. on their strengths. I think Luton, you know, f- for me, I still think they'll go on to win the league and fairly comfortably at that, but certainly with Barnsley, I think just because of this desire we're also desperate to get back in the championship I think we can maybe talk up Barnsley a little bit too much and, and play Sunderland down a little bit too mm, much I'm not convinced by Luton you know I'm still half expecting them to, well, I'm still half expecting them to, to, to hit some bad form it's, it's a freakish oh, run that ridiculous. they're on still isn't it and but it's it's a, it's a, it is for the the top three in in the in League One I mean it's freakish for all three of them I mean we were you know I think we're the only three teams in the in the football league, or some beaten home records, um, like the not the Premier League. I think in the seventy-two, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's the case. Um, in two thousand nineteen, you mean? I think just generally, and then I don't. Barnsley haven't lost at home, and Luton haven't lost at home. Oh, season. sorry, at home. Okay. 
So, and, and we haven't lost at home. Because n- n- none of them have lost in 2019 either. No. I mean, last time we lost, I mean, we, we lost in, we lost to Portsmouth on December the 22nd, December 23rd, whenever it was. Um, I don't think Luton have lost since November. Um, and, and Barnsley, I don't know when, I think, I don't know when they last lost either. So, it, it's ridiculous, really, that the runs that the three teams are on. And I think they've... They've spurred each other on, haven't they? Each, each individual team links put the pressure on the other teams. The frustrating thing is, there's a lot of talk about we're we're in touch, but psychologically they're going to get away from us again. So yeah. that's without, the disappointing thing with yeah. the Wembley timing, isn't it? That because we just think yeah. right, yes, Barnsley didn't win at the weekend. We won, great, two points behind them with the game in hands, back in our hands. But then because the game's off next week, and then we've got Wembley. Suddenly, it, you know, if Barnsley continue to pick up points, the best case scenario, obviously, for us in that would be naturally um, stating the obvious, because Barnsley are drawn a lot of games, so they don't pull away. Well, say, say they get a couple of draws in those two games, and we're four points behind. Suddenly, we've got three games in hand. They've got that does look good then. So the next two games, Barnsley, they've got a couple of tough ones. Um, obviously, they're they're away to Warsaw. Um, the reason that interests me is because. Does that interest you, Gareth? Is it the fault that I think Barnsley's <laughs> right, I think, yeah, I think right, Barnsley's right back is terrible. I can't remember what you call Cav- him. Cavaria, he is absolutely awful. Yeah, yeah. and their Walsall's best player was the number thirty-eight, the the left winger, um, who was rapid. Taylor. It, it, I think he had a double-barreled name. Yeah, Carter, Ta- Carter def- Taylor, definitely, or something. Definitely Taylor. Yeah, um, and he he. Um, he was quick and I just think it'd be interesting if they just say right let's get the ball out of him and get at this full back and they might get some joy because they've got some physical players and you know like Andy Cook might come back in and they've got some physical players so if they can get to the get, you know get in behind you know and, and create some chances I didn't I know on the, on the lads on the reaction pod said that Walsall thought were terrible and all that I've seen a lot worse teams than them play against us this season to be honest I didn't I thought, they weren't great but was that Matthew not having a dig at his wife? Probably, yeah. <laughs> probably. And then they've got Coventry. His Walsall um, supporting wife. They've got Coventry the weekend of the of the trophy final. Um, Coventry, uh, I think, in form, seventh, I think, they're yeah, they just are. on they're, the yeah. fringe mm. of the playoffs. XG favourites as well, Coventry. They for play, those who are really, that sort of they thing. They played yeah. Doncaster last game of the season, you know, Coventry. Does it really? That's a good one, Because yeah. that, that could be the battle for it. On that XG thing, actually... Um, uh, and all the, we mentioned D three D four podcast before, and they tweeted out some stats earlier. Um, the best XG, uh, whatever you call it, however you phrase that, um, stat over the weekend for League One, and Walsall were in the top six. And I just thought, if ever something proves that XG doesn't mean that much, it's that because somebody outside now might be going oh well Walsall you know they, they must have been better than Sunderland and they just weren't at all do you know yeah, what I mean like, so I don't think the chance Griggs scored would qualify as an ex as an no I mean goal. this is this is the, the is it, you yeah. could do a whole other podcast yeah. on XG discussion but it doesn't if you have a really good goalkeeper and a really good centre forward then XG models don't really account for no. that so that's why that's why sometimes you get teams who far overperform what the stats yeah. would suggest it's like BMI do, but, so if you're a weightlifter, you're uh, over. You're uh, morbidly obese, um, but you know the BMI thing's ridiculous because well, exactly. it doesn't take in, in the consideration bone structure or muscle definition that people naturally have and stuff. Yeah. Who, what it's the it's the new Messi versus Ronaldo. What's better, BMI <laughs> or XG? 
<laughs> That's the name of the podcast, is it? It probably could be yeah, now. It could be BMI versus XG. Hmm. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's. But anyway, but the, you know, the, you look at those two games. So, who, so right. So talk us through Barnsley's remaining running, games. Then. You know, a few weeks ago, like that. Well, that's, that seems quite easy. But um, they've got uh, a Walsall away on Saturday. Then they've go to. Then they've got Coventry at home. Then they go to Burton. Then they're at home to Fleetwood. Then they go away to Shrewsbury. Then, sorry, they're at home to Shrewsbury and they're away to Plymouth. Um, and then, playing well yeah, as well. And then they're at home to Blackpool. Um, and then they are away to Bristol Rovers on the last day of the season. It's not that easy, that is it, really? Like, in context of the league. Yeah. I know not they're, not, you, they're not playing any yeah. of the big hitters necessarily, but. I mean, you know, those are some teams that some of them have struggled against. And we've got to play some of those teams as well. We've got mm. to play Fleetwood and, and Coventry. Coventry at home, though, aren't we? Yeah. Uh, Barnsley at home at Coventry as well. Yeah, Barnsley at home right, at Coventry. Okay. Luton, do you want Luton's? Yeah. Luton have got Doncaster on Saturday. Home? Um, oh, home. Um, and then they're away. Why Luton always seem to be at home? No, no. Don't they? Well, of the remaining <laughs> eight games, four of them are at home. Um, so, you know, <laughs> it's not like, I was only saying that because, like, it, it's not like they've got, like, three and five. Mm. Um, so they're playing, they've got Doncaster on Saturday. Then they go to Bristol Rovers. Then they're at home to Blackpool. Then they're away to Charlton. Um, then they're at home to Akron Stanley, away to AFC, um, sorry, away to Akron Stanley, home to AFC Wimbledon, away to Burton, and then at home to Oxford on the oh, last day of the I might, I might have revised my opinion yeah, that, so that, they're not, be, that they might collapse because I think that looks quite comfortable. You know, yeah, for I mean, but then you know what it is, if they draw at the weekend, you know, and we, we've got then two games in hand on them and then... You know the third game and you know say even if they pick up four points from the next two games, well that'll put them how many points away from us? I'm trying to work it out. Is it seven? There's seven at the minute. Yeah, so there'd be and we've got a game in hand. So there'd be eleven, and we'd have three games in hand. Um, so you know it wouldn't be wouldn't be miles away from them if they took four points from the next two games. But I quite you know big pressure on Barnsley like because they'll be thinking right we need to we need to get away because. So, so even if, if they drop points this weekend, they'd be like. So it's away at Walsall for Barnsley first. Yeah, and then and then at home to Coventry. It'd be great if they just got a couple of points out of that, wouldn't it? Well, two points out of that, mm-hmm. we've got three games and six points behind. Um, and then you know, well, you can take seven from those three, and you're ahead of them. Um, but obviously, they've got a better goal difference than us. By how much? Um, I think they've got five, six Which on us. doesn't take a long to swing round if no, you've got three it doesn't, games. No, but they've got the best defensive record in the league. Mm-hmm. And they've, cons- they've, they've got six consecutive clean score sheets. Score of goals are problems. You can see them have a the more nil-nil. They've had two consecutive nil-nils and you can you can see them getting <clears> more. McGeehan will be back in, though. I think it was a key player for them. So, um, you know, obviously, but Kiefer Moore, you saw how good he was when they came up here. Um, and he, he gives you something completely different. I, th- I think um, just you know looking at those those run-ins and the three teams, I think I, you know, I still do think Luton will win the league. I was I was looking today and there's only one time in the last ten years that the team who's been leading at this stage hasn't gone on to win it. Just in this division, yeah. In this division, um, so I think Luton will take. I also think that Luton have by far the most consistent back four in the division, which I think is the big advantage they've got over Sunderland. And I think Barnsley have have got two exceptional centre halves as well, and Pinnock and Lindsay. And if I was to if I was to identify one area where I feel like Sunderland are the, probably the weaker of the three sides, I think it would be in that department. And I think that's something we saw a little bit on Saturday and something mm. that does concern me a little bit because I still think Sunderland are, are searching for the right combinations at the back, which isn't 
which isn't a great thing to be to be looking for at the stage of the season. I think Barnsley and Luton have got championship quality players in those areas. So I raised a few eyebrows that didn't at the weekend then because he got the old band back together, didn't he? Well, With he Flanagan and Baldwin. I think, it, I think it was on merit, Baldwin. And, you know, it, it's funny because one of them, it's always like one of them looks great and the other one's like wavering on form and then that one comes into form and the other one kind of goes off the boil. Yeah, it's possibly Flanagan's worst. Yeah. That's another thing. They were both in the team of the week. Did you see that? I can only assume it's <laughs> because their past completion, i.e. to each other five yards away, was absolutely yeah. through the roof. But yeah. yeah, it does make you wonder quite what stats have been used. But yeah, yeah I think yeah, I think, I think think that's the one area where going into the running I have big concerns because I haven't mm. watched the three teams. I think the other two are far, far, far more consistent mm. and solid. I just, thought, in I just thought that was really funny when I'm like, I'm walking away, walking away from the game and seeing the people, that's, that's Flanagan's worst game for us and then he's in team of the week. More being <laughs> the league one team of the week. I think, you know, I thought Matthews was quite poor at the weekend and then he went off with his, I think we've said a few times on here before that he's not quietly injury prone. Just Hume's positioning made us look a lot more balanced, didn't it, straight away? He, Natural there. And he's got a bit of physicality as well, good, Hume. Good you know, he's tall. I just, and I just naturally hate fullbacks playing on the wrong the wrong side. I, I don't I don't really like with wingers, to be honest, but something about it with fullbacks just drives up the wall. But to so be you, fair... You didn't vote for Phil Barzi for player of the season that year. He got a, a left-back one. No, I didn't. I can't remember who I voted for, but I won't have, because that will have irritated me all season. <laughs> irritated um, you even more when he got player of the season. Yeah, yeah. Matthew, um, Matthews has got that class, like, is that charisma who does that outside of the foot thing. Yeah, but it's better on... It's better when I mean, he it's a cuts in from the right because then it's more yeah. unexpected. But he, yeah, but he d- he's got that thing. He does that kind of because if you cut in, if you cut in from the right, it should be going in that direction anyway. Yeah. So it only really, but that's a yeah. separate bit. But I think to be fair, I think you know, there's been a lot of chat about left back and Oviedo is the one who always gets talked about. But you know, I think Jack Ross genuinely believes that Denver Hume can be his his first choice left back for the next two three seasons. That doesn't mean he's going to be for the rest of the season because he's had knee problems. But people are. Yeah, there's a real excitement behind the scenes, and a hope that he signs a new contract because there's big, big hopes for him because he's got a great left foot. He's quick, he's strong, he's brave. I think, I think he's, I think he's really got everything. And it took him a little bit of time to get up to speed on Saturday, which he'd expect in tense game, being out for so long in terms of league action. But I thought even in that short cameo, he just, it just looks like a really good, really, yeah. really good. Has he got a chance me. for Wembley? Or was it too I, soon? I think, I think Reese James might, might get the nod just because. He's a safer option, if you like, mm. given the football he's had over the last two or three months. But it, it would not surprise me if, if Hume got another. I think he's definitely got a chance. On to Will Grigg, I think. Just acknowledging that. Um, we, we we said, like, it was tipping in the first half. He just thought, I'll oh, give the lad a break when he did everything right and the keeper made the save. But this is just we're reiterating what we've already said, um, that... When we see these centre forwards go through these spells where they don't score goals, Alador's one and Sinclair this season as well, and you, you can just kind of tell they're going to go that run. We never really feared because he creates chances for himself, like other like the previously mentioned didn't, and I think um, his his goal on Saturday was an example of that as well. It's not, it's not, it didn't just fall onto, onto no. his lap in the in the box, did it? He's created that goal and made that goal himself. And I, I'm, he's one of those players, I'm not 100% sure which is his stronger foot either, yeah. which is pretty good sign for a centre-forward, to be honest. His last two goals have been absolutely brilliant finishes on his left foot, which doesn't seem to be his stronger foot, given the way he plays generally. Um, I mean, that's a pretty ringing endorsement of any player, any centre-forward, if they can finish like that on either foot. Um, his, all-round, his all-round quality has, has been really good since he came. I think, you know, 
I can understand why people were... I came away from Oakwell really frustrated because the second half, after the because of the wind and all that, you kind of thought, oh, Sunderland getting in half-time nil-nil, you thought they had a great chance to go on and win the game. So it was frustrating that they created so little. But I don't think you can judge Grigg on a game like that. Generally speaking, he's been very good in pretty much every game he's played. And, and like I say, I, I do think there's a little bit of a balance to get there and picking the right player to play off him. Um, but that, I think, will pretty much solve itself when Huddleman and Maguire come back in the next few weeks. Yeah. But the introduction of Charlie Wake yeah. was significant, wasn't it, at the weekend? Yeah, you know, you forget he actually played quite well um, around December time when he, you know, when he was playing um, with Madger. Um, it's just the, the, I think, the difference between say Grig and Wyke is that when Wyke gets into an area to score, he never, re- he never looked like he would, um, and then Grig looks like, you know, he's, at least he's made the keeper work, or you know, he's not. You know, shanking things. It's like he's not scuffing things. You know, he's he's doing all the right things. Um, and then the problem is when you miss a couple of chances in in ga- important games, like the only acting game before he gets subbed and misses that chance at the back post. You, you know, you, his confidence was already poor then, and and it's going to get even worse in there. So. But I think credit, you know, Baldwin's talked this week about Jack Ross's man management of him. And maybe they've been managing White and, you know, he came on and you could see how happy all the players were that he was involved in the goal. Um, but he didn't make a difference. Is that a good touch or a bad touch? I think I, I, I sit right in line with with him and it was a it was intentional. Okay. Well, do you think it was? No comment. <laughs> you you were further... I was literally... I sit, no, no. I've got, I had a terrible view of it. I literally um, sit exactly where... He was facing me where I sit. Like, I sit right in the line of that penalty box. Um, and it was intentionally, because he, he, he's his body shape, he touches away from himself, and you can see, see Griggs coming onto it. What a fantastic first touch from Grigg, though, to get it into that space, and he was quite quick over that I thought period. he missed from behind the goal. It looked like he'd missed he'd passed, from behind the goal, and then it just, it it just the sneaked net, in. He? he just passed it into the net from 20 Like, yards, I was surprised when it went in from my angle. It looked like it was, it was going wide, and then suddenly you just saw the net bulge. He just passed it in, didn't he? And, you know that he's. I think the touch was intentional, by the way, by Wake. Intentional. Yeah, it was. Yeah. People have said it's reminiscent of George Allardyce's touch yeah, before Bruno's goal. That was not intentional, <laughs> and I stand by it because you can tell by his expression that when he touches it, and then he sees Bruni come, he almost like sort of jumps up in surprise because Bruni's there. So I stand by that. Sorry. But yeah, it was. Um, it was. I thought about that when he did it. But yeah, it was. Uh, you know, you know, he made a good impact. He did some good stuff. Uh, showed some good touches down, down that. And if that right ball, channel. and if that when the ball got rolled back into the box and it was just beyond him, I think yeah. it's more sympathy on him then because it yeah. was practically. You know, he would have put that one yeah. away, wouldn't he? And on, I mean, O'Nine again. Influ- I thought. I thought he was quite poor in the poor first, first half. half. Good second half. Yeah, I thought he was excellent yeah. in the second half. I mean, he's. He's just never out of the game as a, as a fullback. It's strange that he's so involved all the time, and, and I don't. It's not like we're under the cosh all the time down his side. He just seems to be there, you know. He's just in the game all the time on the ball. It's uh, it's great, great to see somebody who's had such a poor start and he's come, you know, full circle to be arguably well our most important player at the is moment. Is he right back now? Is that him? Is that him? Yeah. Yeah. I think mm. when you perform, if we're talking about playing him in, in midfield, what are we basing it on? A couple of half-decent cameos off the bench. 
in that stages of the game. Really good goal against Shrewsbury and a decent goal against Barnsley. But we've not actually really seen him thrive in that position that much at all, really. And over a long period of time, he's been excellent at right back. I think it's a really, really good option because especially when you're a team like Sunderland in League One, you have most of the ball to have a right back like that who's constantly running off the shoulder and constantly has that instinct to attack the back post. I think it's a really, really effective weapon. Um, I, I, I don't see why you would change it. It's working unbelievably well, so I, I don't see why you would want to want to change it. Adam Matthews must be uh, a bit disappointed because his, his chance to start at Wembley doesn't look... Uh, very good. Well, man, he's, he's injured again, isn't he? I mean, he's injured all the time. I would say he gets a niggle one every three games. He's, oh, missed, he's, missed, he's missed an awful lot of football. And it's. I would say the same about Oviedo, to be fair. He's someone who generally, he doesn't miss huge kind of segments of games. He doesn't get loads of loads of long-term injuries. But if you look at his record, he's just constantly misses some training, game. misses the odd game, misses training. And that's why you end up just getting pushed back down the order because you don't get that momentum and if there's a player like Luke O'Nine who's there every week and performing they'll play mm. massive fans favourite now as well isn't he yeah. Luke it's some turnaround that it is it's good to see um, in, in midfield the weekend then to, on paper <laughs> somebody looks at a, a midfield three in that division and sees Lee Catamall Grant led but uh, Max Power it's ridiculous really I thought Power was really good actually <laughs> You know, I, I, I've like, seen I've seen mixed opinions. You know, I like that. about <clears throat> he was he's playing in a position that it's not really his position there, um, where he's, he's trying to link. But he's doing all the stuff that a player like that should do, even though it's like not in his nature. And I quite I like that. It's like a, a good attitude. Somebody's got a good football and brain. Maybe they might not be able to do the job to the standard because it's a, if they did, then they'd be playing there every week. Um, but he certainly understands that position, and you know he probably looking back at Barnsley he had that chance where I think on a non on a, a day that wasn't windy he probably would have scored because I think the ball was blown away from him as he tried to stab it in when he kind of got got brought the lines and got in. He still should have scored. And then you know at the weekend you know he probably should have had a, well he should have had a goal from that header uh, you know and you know I thought I thought. He's always trying to do the right. You know, I think that's one of the main, being the major themes of the players this season. You know, to try and do the right things, and it sounds like a simple, simplistic sort of analysis. But how often have we seen the opposite, and people are disinterested, and people not doing the jobs in the positions that they should be doing? I think as a, I think as a squad, they've got an unbelievable amount of bottle, um, and you can pick up one little errors they make or little things that the squad generally is missing but you know to to only lose two games this season has been an unbelievable achievement when you think of the pressure that that comes with Sunderland in trying to get out of this league a lot of players who aren't familiar with that they aren't familiar with playing of a club of the size of Sunderland going away to these away games the pitches are, are dreadful the atmosphere is so intense the conditions recently have been awful and they just keep finding a way to, to not get beat um, and like I say, they might they might not turn out to be one of the best two sides in the league, but the, the, I think that bottle is something that you can that you just have to praise because especially after what we've seen in recent seasons, it's something that everybody said they wanted to see, and I think we've seen it in in abundance this year. Mm-hmm. They've caught with it well, haven't they? The the expectations and stuff, and Gareth saying like um, mentioned there, you know, if we were performing in some of the ways Barnsley are and stuff, the fans will be on the back and stuff like that. But it, 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 it is the nature of the beast, isn't it? It was always going to happen when Sunderland play at this level for the second time in their history. Um, and, and if, for example, Aston Villa suddenly found themselves in League One, it would be the same there. And it's just, 
it is one of the things you've got to deal with when you're playing for a club like this. But the players, to be fair to them, from the moment they went a goal down against Charlton on the opening day of the season, Seaton have done it. And that, and you know, that 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 stands us in good stead for Wembley, I think. Again, over the years, in a, in a big in a game of that magnitude, you know, we we look at it over the years. You know, you can count you literally count on one hand um, in the last, you know, five years how often we'd come we'd come from behind at home to win a game, um, and I think it took five years for that to happen. Um, in I think it was we came from it was Martin O'Neill's first game. And then I think after that it might have it might have been Chelsea under Sam Allardyce where we beat them three two. Um, you think about this season where we're falling behind in games at home and turn them around to win them. Bristol Rovers, Charlton, um, the game at the weekend against Warsaw. There'll be others um, where that's happened and we've done it. Um, and it, it's a, I know it's a, it's a lower level and we've got you know the fact that even though McGeady and um, Dunn were left out of that. Um, final Island squad, you know, Griggs still gone, Flanagan's still gone, McLaughlin's still gone. You know, there's, there's five or six international players, you know, is being called up. Um, you know, so the, you know, there's good players in there. Um, so I think that's where some some of the frustration, I think, in the fact we haven't romped the division or whatever, lies in that we've got these players. But at the same time, I mean, we were talking about this last week. The standards been much higher than I expected. Yeah, I think that's a, a really, really important point and something to dwell on because we have such high expectations of, of Sunderland because they have players like Lee Catmull and Aidan McGeady and that's fine, but there's some really good players and we've just t- talked a little bit earlier about Pinnock and Lindsay and they're really, 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 really good players and I can guarantee you that in three, four years' time they'll be sold for a lot of money and I think that Sunderland have got one of the best squads in the league, but I think this idea that they've got by far the best squad in the league and they should be romping to the title, I think it's, it's one, it's pretty disrespectful to Barnsley and Luton, and two, I'm not sure it's true. And the other thing is as well, is if you look at Barnsley, that club has got a model. So every player there understands what their role is. So they come in at a certain age and it's very clear, come here, progress your career, help progress the club, and we'll sell you on and you can take the next step. There's a clear identity and a model there. Luton have come up from League Two, they play that same system week in, week out. Everybody understands their role in it. The players have been together for a long time. And Sunderland is a, at the start of the season was a complete mishmash. The financial disparity, just in terms of wages in the squad, is unbelievable. And I think in any workplace that would or should create some level of tension. Players at very different stages of their careers, very different experiences. And I think it's been a pretty impressive, one, it's credit to the players for the way they've bonded together and the way they've battled. Two, I think it's massive credit to the management staff that they've created such a good environment despite all those things. And yes, I think given the quality of play they, sh- they have, they should be up near the top, but I still think it's a pretty impressive achievement to be where they are. And I think Barnsley and Luton are, are good sides and I think some actually, I think they do deserve credit for being where they are in that in the promotion race. Well, you can't. <clears throat> You've lo- we've lost two games. Like We've got nine games to go. We've lost two games all season. We've scored in every game but one. Um, you know, we're, we're up against two at that at that top. The top three, you know, are of a, a much more consistent standard in, in terms of getting results than, than the teams below. Um, to the extent where you know, if, if we win our game in hand that we've got against Charlton, um, I think we'll be nine points clear of them. Um, Charlton. Yeah. I think so yeah, Charlton fifth. 
and then Portsmouth are fourth. And we got oh, a game sorry. now. I thought yeah. you were saying we had a game on against Charlton. No, we're game hand on Charlton. <laughs> okay. Um, we might have two games. We played no, Charlton twice, I'm sure. I think actually we might have two games on hand on Charlton um, at the moment. I think they've played another one. I, I, I can't anyway. It doesn't matter. But, you know, we'd be well ahead of them. You know, Portsmouth have... Portsmouth have... They play next week, but obviously they don't play the week after. I think Charlton only play once um, in the time they may be there. I think... I think they're not playing next week. Maybe they've got internationals um, away. So, you, you know, you just got to hope that when we get back after the cup final, we're not, you know, we're not uh, looking at a situation where Barnsley have won twice and we're going right. We have to, like, we really have to win every game I mean mm. looking at now this got, is the thing where people say oh just think about you <coughs> worry about yourselves it's just not possible because, we, win, because if, yeah. like I say if Barnsley win those two games it looks really grim for us if they don't and they get a couple of points suddenly it looks really positive and that, that's going to affect the players you can't you, yeah. you know, there's no disguise in that or no hiding that it's going to affect the players so you, you can't always just worry about yourself if we win six of our nine and we don't go up I think the players can just go off well couldn't have done a lot more than than what we've done over the course of that that season. If if you win if you win if you win seven games from now, I think Sunderland will get to ninety four points. If they didn't go up, they'd be the only team in the last decade not to go up with that level of points. At which point you just have to say, well, that's pretty frustrating, but yeah. it's also pretty unfortunate. And you just hold your hands up, don't you? And you know, you, you finish on eighty three, eighty four points in third place, and your top two have gone away. If, you know, you go they were much better. You know, if you're finishing on 91, 92, 93 points and you don't go up, I don't, I just don't think there's a lot more you could do. You just got to go. Okay, fair enough. If you get two points a game over the course of the season and don't get promoted, yeah, I, I just don't think there's any. You can't really level any criticism. You can talk about things like, oh, that's a shame he drew so many games and all that and missed out on points here, didn't beat this team at home, didn't beat that team at home. But over the course of the season. If somebody said that you're going to get two points a game, you know, you're going to get 92 points, you'd expect to get promoted, wouldn't you? Mm, definitely. Shall we have a little break and then talk about Wembley, maybe? And what we'll do with that? What we'll do with it? What, the stadium? Yeah, who will who will play stuff like that? We'll probably won't, because we won't be doing a, no, no, another be, show no, before no, Wembley be, now. No, no. So, apart from the night no, before. No, there'll be a preview on the Thursday. Mm. We won't be. Yeah. Anyway, this is boring. Let's have a break and we'll come back. <laughs> Jack Ross, and you're listening to the Wise Men Say podcast. Right, Wembley then. Wembo, what's your favourite? What's your what's your um, slang Wembley word? Wembers, Wembers, Wembo, Wems, Wembelicious. I've never used anything other than Wembley. Ever. I don't think you I should have pre-warned me. I do. No, I don't think I have either. But I'm just funky. going out of those options. I'm just thinking if like if you had to. Well, Wembo. I like putting an O on the end. I of like Wembo, me. Hmm. Wembo. Wembers, Wembo. <laughs> we'll do a poll. No yeah, one cares. I prefer, probably. I prefer Wembers to Wembo. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Wembers. Mm. We're gonna be yeah. there anyway. Wise men say it on Wembley Way. Mm, on Wembers Way. <laughs> Let's not go back. We've moved away from that. Don't want to go back into it. All right. But it's Wembo. Um, this is this is gonna be the thing, isn't it? Where <laughs> look at the worst case scenario. Barnsley win their next two games, Sunderland lose to Portsmouth <laughs> in the checker trade final, and you just think, ah, we, you know, that was a destruction we didn't need at the moment. And a cup puts such a downer on the players. I'm not going to think like that. I'm going to think positively. I think Barnsley might draw a couple of games and we win. 
um, at Wembley, which is obviously the ideal situation. Because it's how do you, how do you see this game, uh, Phil? As a bit of a free hit, because we we were talking to Charlie before, weren't we? Charlie Mepin, and, and he was saying, I mean, this was before we played Newcastle. Yeah, it was just and before, he was, yeah. and he was saying then, oh, you know, he's been there at Oxford before. He was saying, oh, this is just it's such a free hit because you go there, you enjoy yourself, and if you lose, it doesn't really matter. Nobody will ever really hold that against you. It's not like losing the FA Cup final or anything like that. But I guess with Sunderland's position in the league, it's not quite the case, is it? No, it's not. I'd be interested to see if someone, <laughs> if someone had lost, if someone tweeted out a full-time, never mind, it was just a free hit. <laughs> I've enjoyed my day. I th- I, do you know see what, what happened? I said, you know, I think on the day, people will be like focused on the game. I think the build-up, I think around it, I don't think people will be, they'll be focused on getting drunk the weekend and that's what that, but that's what it's going to be about you know everyone's got the plans everyone's like we're going to you know about getting together and you know all that all the stuff that goes around it and you know it's it's going to be great and it? it's it's just going to be what we need after yeah we had the league cup final in 2014 um but it, you know in the last that's six you know five six years ago nearly now you know, we just need it. We need, and you know, to win it would be, you know, it it would be great to see, you know, George with that trophy and all the lads, you know, celebrating, and, you know, an experience, you know, winning something at, at Wembley. It'd be a massive you know, boost you know, just 50, to the squad you know, because because it would just give them it just give them an insight of what what can come if we get promoted yeah. wouldn't it I think I think the good thing about the, it being a Chetetre final rather than the cup final is you're not going to wake up on the day of the game feeling sort of sick about the game mm. and feeling that almost not looking forward to the game because you're might so be nervous sick, you might be feeling reason. sick but for very different reasons <laughs> yeah. and definitely I get that that kind of even I'm looking at the weekends and probably at the moment I'm more excited about who I'm going to see and, and that whole kind of social side of it than the actual match itself but I do think that if if you win, if you win that game, and suddenly you're going into the last, you're going where where you've got a lot of games, and you think, right, it's in promotion fates in our own hands. We've just won a trophy. I think the momentum that you can potentially generate at club of Sunderland size is going to be immense. I mean, when Southampton, Southampton were in a far far worse position than Sunderland were at this stage of the season. They won the Czech trade, and I think they won nine of the last ten league games. Um, obviously, that you know they are good players and all of that, but it just I think you can create that just kind of almost juggernaut if you like, and create that momentum and. You know, Portsmouth are a good side. If you go to Wembley and, and beat them in an unbelievable atmosphere, I think mm. I think the team could just grow from there. I was talking to a lad when I was a Portsmouth fan. He lives up here. Um, he actually watched Sunderland at Wembley in the League Cup final because he does go to the other Sunderland game, but he's a Portsmouth fan, so he's in the Portsmouth end. And how do you get a ticket? How do you get a ticket for the League Cup final? <laughs> oh, don't go there. I don't know. I didn't sort of know. Um, you um, <laughs> might have had a season ticket. He used to watch us a lot. See. Yeah. Um, but anyway, he's. We were just saying both saying and having a conversation saying we just wish we weren't playing against somebody as good as they were playing against like their fans are saying the same thing as us so we wish we were playing uh, Bristol Rovers and we're all saying we wish we were playing Bury kind of thing I don't I don't agree with that at you all know? I, I, I think I'd be I think that would add to the sense of this is a bit of a a tin pot final mm. I think the fact that it's Portsmouth gives it an actual air of a yep. I'll be amazing. Prop, proper cup and, and, and the colour contrast and everything will be great, won't yeah. it? Like the, the red and white yeah. and the blue and everything. <clears throat> the 1992 really FA Cup final that everybody wanted. <laughs> All the football hipsters wanted that final. Mm. And again, yeah. if if you go and beat a team like Portsmouth in the final, yeah. I just I, th- I think that could I think that could be a massive yeah. shot in the arm. Is James Vaughan allowed to play? <laughs> 
think he is, isn't he? They, they wouldn't, he wouldn't have played in the, in the competition. But he's Wigan, been, he? He, well, he has, he has been, he's had back troubles of late. Yeah. So I don't know whether he'll be like that. from carrying his massive head. I think he's also about fifth choice striker as well, yeah. which probably um, doesn't help. But yeah, I mean, that's obviously got 90 minute save, winner and yeah, replicate yeah, well, Burton yeah, Albion yeah, you'll celebration all over again. You'll save that for um, the, the game in, uh, in April, the last home game of the season. George Honeyman can play. He's interesting. Can. Will he play? Yeah. 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 yeah, of course he will. Mm hmm. I just think. So who do we think? Because he's got to some. He's got some people are going to be disappointed in, in this squad. And Honeyman will come in for power. Mm, that's yeah, what I mean. I that's guess. what I think. So I guess Morgan or Gooch is a decision. Oh, I guess you, your decisions make. are your two centre backs, your left back, and your right winger. And I would suggest that everybody else is is mm. a lot in. I think uh, Morgan. I would start him because I think he's got sixty minutes in him. Like that, that he goes after sixty minutes. He just goes, he just disappears in the game. And then I thought Gooch did well coming on. I he think did, Gooch yeah. is a better sub than Morgan. I think um, so. I'd be definitely be having there uh, Morgan starting. You know, McGeady, Honeyman. I mean, I know Maguire's going on about getting getting fit it's for the like, final. I mean, it's not going to happen, is it? It's really? Absolutely. Whether he's could run out and play, I don't know, but there's absolutely no way someone they're going to risk a very, very important player for the last few league games for the sake of a token appearance at Wembley in a Tim Pot competition. It's not Tim Pot competition. <laughs> you, can, you can play this out on Twitter when he starts and scores, scores the winner, <laughs> and I'm giving him a I've ten. Said this before. <laughs> this is the, this is a very high importance competition. If we win it, we'll be going on about it, and it's basically just the Fairs Cup, but. With it's the home fairs cup in it really same thing same standard of competition De- definitely win it and go on like it's the Champions League that's definitely yeah. definitely the right approach to yeah, take it's the same thing really well, we always we said from day one we want to win the Champions League oh, yeah, trophy yeah. and we, we want to get promoted really because it's like you've got to, if you're gonna flex your muscles and and puff your chest out and, and and say we're too big for this level then you've got to go and prove it by winning. Yeah. Winning the competitions that you went or haven't you? We're speaking speak of competition, shall we do? Obviously, we've got the live show the night before the um, the final. Should try and come up with a prize if somebody can, you know, present them the best tin foil um, check a trade trophy. I don't even know what it looks like. <laughs> what does it look like? It's like a kind of like a like vase. a vase. Yeah. Okay, that'd probably be quite easy to make. So, what's the competition? What do you win? The respect of your peers. <laughs> The worst competition ever. Respective trof- trophy makers. What's a tin pot? I don't think, you're gonna, get, I don't think you're gonna get many takers on this competition. Does anybody want to prove Stephen wrong? If you're listening, and come <laughs> along to the uh, the <laughs> night. You know, if you bring um, buy your beer, if you if you bring um, an EFL trophy um, tin foil, maybe we should make one and have get people to take photos with them. You could do that. I could be asked to do that. If you want to do that, then uh, you crack on. No, all right, I'll just buy the tin for like the wise men say. <laughs> Kitty, <laughs> right, right. Does everyone agree that um, Honeyman's going to play? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And um, yourself over that Morgan thing, Phil. Morgan every to day start. Of the week. Yeah. And Gucci is an important impact sub. Yeah. Um. So McGee's going to play. Gray's going to play a centre halves then. Flanagan and Baldwin. Same, Do you think? Same for me. Did he see a wide drop done out the team? He didn't. Um, all, all, all he said was that he felt it was a game that suit, suited Flanagan and Baldwin more. Um, I think at home, I know Baldwin, the way 
his play and possession gets a lot of scrutiny because he occasionally plays some horrendous passes, but I think he's capable of doing something that Flanagan and Dunn aren't. Um, I think Dunn, for me, was primarily brought into playing horrible away games where you've got to head the ball away all day and you've got to defend against a, a big striker and you're penned in for periods of the games. I think that's why Dunn was signed and it's been in those kind of games where he's made the biggest impression so far. Mm. So, yeah, I think it was more just about what Baldwin can potentially do in possession, um, even though, you, to be fair, you don't always see that. I have to say, I mean, Wembley, I don't like Wembley. Um, I don't like Wembers. Um, I think it, <clears throat> it sucks the life out of football games at times. Um, but I do think it will suit us, the size of the pitch, because we, we generally play better at home because we can open teams up and we can spread the play a little yeah, bit. Yeah, and I think, I think that's why I'm much happier that they're playing a team like Portsmouth than a, than a Bristol Rovers or somebody like that because, you know, Portsmouth will show a bit of intent in the game as well and it should break it open a little bit and that's all, generally speaking, that's when Ben Sunderland have been at their best this season. Mm. I mean, excited to see what McGeady can do on a pitch like Wembley. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's a pitch good at Wembley now, I don't know. Yeah. Tottenham have been playing on it every week, haven't they? <laughs> yeah, you forget about that, don't you? Yeah, that seems all right, though, I think. they're moving, aren't they? I think mm. it's the start of April, so hopefully they'll uh, no NFL or anything like that, hopefully. So we think, just to finish up with the team stuff, Reese James left back? I think it would be only fair, really. Yes, I think so. I think so. So we've got the team sorted, haven't we? Easy, isn't it? Mm. Doing the football management. Simple. Good. Right, so thanks for uh, listening and thanks if you've bought a ticket to come and see us um, with with Sleeves and Nick Barnes uh, the night before. I know you put an extra handful of tickets on sale and they went, and they went, uh, they went like in, within five minutes or something, seconds, didn't they? Yeah. yeah, so it's a shame that the brewery's not two or three times the size. Um, but yeah, but it should be just a, a big old laugh. Yeah, we'll do that. We'll have some, some crack booze. and then we'll jump on the tube after and head towards wherever the party is. Well, Gareth might not, but uh, yeah, the rest of us, the rest of us will be doing bed. that. Yeah. Cool. I'm <laughs> gonna, I'm not interested in all her The rest of us will be zombieing around uh, with all the Sunderland fans. You'll be a zombie by the time we'll get there. Yeah, I probably will, but I'll probably not make it that far. Yeah, you're yeah. right. Right, okay. So, next up, Wembley for us anyway. Thanks for listening. <laughs>